humming right along this morning. Good morning once again. Good morning once again. There we go. A little feedback here. Um, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I said earlier, um, summer is kind of my favorite time of the year, not just because things, for me at least, slow down a little bit in some areas, speed up in other areas. Uh, but kind of the reins are off a little bit when we uh, have sermon series and things like that. So we can uh, concentrate on a few things. We can pick up a few things along the way that we may have said, we're going to get back to that at another time. This is one of those days that uh, we're going to talk about um, a word this morning that's been um, on my mind for quite some time now. Um, it's a word that's used in the Bible um, in its various forms over 500 times, at least, at least in the NASB, which is also the version that's in the pew in front of you. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that, um, well, I'll maybe invite you to see that later, but um, as you probably already figured out, it's the word blessed, or sometimes we say blessed. Um, and what is our response to be to that? Like I said, combine it with some of the other forms, um, it's, it appears over 500 times in the English translations, um, but I'll talk about more on that in a minute. But what I want to do this morning is dig in a little bit and learn some more about this word blessed, because we throw it around and I'm not sure we really have a grasp, a full understanding of what God means by that and what he's talking about that. Uh, so what we're going to dig in, like I said, and see what we can learn from, from God's words, the words that he wrote to us. We say God's word, but it's full of individual words that help us understand who he is. And what I want to do this morning is see what our response should be to the blessings that God gives us, to see um, how we can live out our lives for, for God's purpose, figure out what God's purpose is for that. How do we live out um, God's will, his purpose in our lives, in our actions, and more importantly, in our attitudes. So that word blessed, like I said, gets tossed around mostly in Christian circles. Um, and our working definition might not be in line with God's definition, what God, how God would define it. Um, let me tell you what I mean here. So here in the United States, we would say that we are extremely blessed. At least we should say that we are extremely blessed when it, when it talks to that. But in point of fact, we actually spend more time, it seems, complaining about different things uh, with each other, uh, not, not really appreciating the abundance that we have. The, I'm telling you the truth, the privilege that we have here in the United States. Let me tell you a couple things. Um, and I realized when I was reading through this this morning, I should, probably should have footnoted these for you, but you're going to have to trust me on this one. For example, talking about being blessed, talking about being privileged. If you have a Bible in your home, at least one, most of us have probably double-digit Bibles in our home. But if you even have one Bible in your home, you are better off than one-third of the entire world. A third of the world does not have a Bible in their home. We're working on that as we speak, but if you can read that Bible, you are ahead of two billion people. Because two billion people on the planet are illiterate, can't read. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are extremely blessed. More than one million people will die just this week from disease alone. If you have never experienced a battle or imprisonment or torture or starvation, you are ahead of five million people that are on the planet right now. So, all right, so that's kind of abstract. Let's make it a little more personal. If you can attend church without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are ahead of 3 billion, yes, that's a, with a B, 3 billion people on the planet cannot worship God in peace and without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death. 
Again, bring it a little closer to home, the privileged that we are. If you have food in your refrigerator, actually, if you have a refrigerator, if you have food in that refrigerator, if you have clothes on your back and a roof over your head, you're better off than 75% of the world. And here's the big one. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, spare change, you are among the 8% of the world's wealthiest people. And yet, when we meet with our friends, Christian or not, Go out for coffee, go chit-chat a little bit. We focus solely on the negative side of things. Just about everything. Right now, it's the price of this, cost of that. We don't spend time talking about, about God, about how God has impacted our lives and how God wants to have an impact on the lives of every person on this planet. That's what we should be focusing on. But back to our topic here, um, about being blessed in, in life in general. Uh, because if our working definition of being blessed uh, is having all this stuff. You know, why does Jesus talk about all these crazy things on the Sermon on the Mount? I want to just blast you with a couple of these. This is Matthew 5, of course. Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, verse 3. Blessed are those who mourn, verse 4. Blessed are the gentile, or the gentle, rather, or the meek, some translations. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, his list doesn't look anything like our list looks like. Right? When it comes right down to it, talking about being blessed, we talk about how much stuff we have. Jesus talks about the attitude you should have. Those two don't line up. Our response to receiving a blessing doesn't line up. So either, either Matthew messed up when he was copying down Jesus' words, or we've somehow lost track of it somewhere along the line. One of us is off a little bit here. The New Testament, when Matthew wrote that, the word that he used for blessed is makarios. And like a lot of words I tell you about, um, it's a complex word. It means a lot of different things, different flavors, different, uh, different context. But at its root, it means happy. Makarios, blessed, means happy here with Matthew. Happy, then, are the poor in spirit. Still doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? How can that be? How can those that mourn be happy? Those who seek justice when there's so much injustice in the world right now. Don't even get me started on the merciful, pure in heart, or peacemakers. So is Jesus serious about this? Again, I ask you members of the jury, was, was Matthew confused? I mean, do we elevate heroes who are humble, who are poor, who are plain? To illustrate my point this morning, that point anyway, I want to play a quick round of your favorite game show and mine, Who Dis? I even gave you a hint on this. See the patch on his shirt? It says World Vision. There's a guy by the name of Richard Stearns, and this man is a monumental kind of guy. Um, he gave up... Uh, he is the, I'll just tell you who he is. He's the president emeritus right now because he's kind of off, he was the president and founder of World Vision. Uh, World Vision uh, gives us all the opportunity to sponsor children in another country. Right? Um, so there's other organizations that do that, but World Vision is, is really good at it. So Richard Stearns walked away from some very highly paying, lucrative CEO positions. Like, have you ever heard of Parker Brothers? He was the CEO of Parker Brothers and really brought them to where they were back in the day. Lennox, a few others that were really pursuing him. 
Uh, so that's, that's uh, Richard Stearns. I don't have a picture of this next guy, but I'm going to tell you about him anyway. He likes to remain anonymous. He's a, Cal- or a, a Canadian billionaire who is making an impact in the world by giving away his fortune. He is making an impact in the world in different people's lives by literally just giving away everything he has. And I'm not talking about $44 billion to Twitter. No, he's making a real difference in the world by impacting people's lives. So that's what he's talking about. That's what we're talking about. That's where Jesus wants us to be. So that's countercultural to what we see in what Jesus talks about. Jesus talks about Matthew 5, 5. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meek, by the way, is power under control. It's not hiding under a rock someplace. It's power under control. Talk about, like I said, countercultural. Meek. Our culture says the strong, cutthroat, those are the successful ones. And we adopt those values far ahead of the words that Jesus talks about. So like I said, we get a few things backwards. We get some things backwards. We say we're following Jesus, but we don't let that get in the way of uh, what we would call our American values or American dream. Or with our comfort. We don't let Jesus' words get in the way of our comfort, right? Or what we say. What we say gives us purpose in life. I think the biggest hurdle we face is that our ideas, or our expectations, our predictions of what Jesus actually said. I mean, if we sat down and said, all right, what did Jesus actually say? If we kind of wrote those down and tried to write a little essay about them, I think we would be way off the base. They don't actually, our thoughts don't actually line up with what Jesus taught. We aren't so much interested in following him as we are interested in, in using Jesus to kind of to uh, baptize and confirm our social or cultural values as we see them. Rather than looking for Jesus for direction and guidance, we hope to somehow manipulate Jesus or coerce him into blessing the direction that we've already decided on. We want God to kind of rubber stamp our lives, our decisions, with the blessing that Jesus says in Matthew 5, that Jesus says is reserved for those who are actually living according to God's values and purposes and attitudes. For us, that's a recipe for disaster. Grave disappointment. That's not a recipe for a blessing. Okay. So I told you at the beginning that this word blessing, blessed, blesses, appears over 500 times, like 530 times, at least in this version of the Bible. And when we look at the Old Testament, we get a good understanding of what, a good picture of what God means when he says blessed. So let's play a little Bible trivia here. By the way, my kids found out at an early age, don't wager anything you can't lose if you're playing Bible trivia with this guy, all right? Bible trivia. When is the first occurrence of the word blessed in the Bible? I'll give you a hint. Genesis. Give you a bigger hint. Genesis 1. I want to show it to you. First, I want to set up the verse because it's going to blow your mind a little bit. I'm going to blow it even more later here. So, first of all, uh, Genesis 1.21. It says, God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. I want to show you something before we move on. Um, this is actually only the second time. Now, this is verse 21 in creation. This is day five of creation, by the way, if you're keeping track and keep it score at home. Five, day five. So 
this is the second time that the word created is used in the Bible. First one is in verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. But then, up until verse 21, God said, and it was done. God spoke, and it was done. God said, God said, God said. And now, verse 21, God created great sea monsters, all the fish, everything that moves around the sun. Right? So now, verse 22, here we go. God blessed them. That's the first occurrence of the word blessed. So who got blessed first? Sea monsters. The fish, the birds. And then he said this. He said, God blessed them, saying... Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply upon the earth. So let's get this straight. By the way, on the back of your bulletin is a place to take some notes. You might want to jot a couple of these things down so that you can carry them out the door with you. Because I'm going to get kind of heavy on you for a couple of minutes here. But just take a deep breath, suck it up, fasten the seatbelt. You know, there's a shoulder harness. Keep your hands and feet inside the pew at all times. All right, get this straight though. Verse 21, pop back to verse 21 real quick, Jared. God created, number one, he created. Number two, verse 22, he blessed. First he created, then he blessed. In verse 22, what did he do with that blessing? Two things came with that blessing. Can you see it in here? It doesn't actually say it, but you've got to read into the text. that, That blessing, with that blessing comes a command. Be fruitful and multiply is a command, right? But not only does he command them to do it, he equips them to do it. He enables them to do it. A command and equipping, empowering, sanctioning. sanctioning. In other words, God gave them a command and then he gave them the ability to carry it out. But first, he created them, right? Okay, so to get back to verse 22, the blessed. The Hebrew word for blessed in verse 22 is the Hebrew word barach. So everybody say barach. Oh, come on. Everybody say barach. Okay, you're with me. All right. So, and as I often tell you, and I think I said it earlier, it's a, it's a complex word, it's, uh, in, uh, especially in the form of its root word. I'm getting back to that in a second. But in the Hebrew, just like the English, um, sometimes words can be different things. Like, um, barach in its verb form means to kneel. So this is the word for blessed. Everybody keep in mind that we're talking about that verse 22, that the word blessed. Its verb form means to kneel. Its noun form literally means a knee. It's abstract form. Hebrew has an abstract form, which is kind of hard to understand. But to understand if a word is in an abstract form, think about trying to draw something. And can you draw it or not? So the abstract form of Barak is blessed. How would you draw a blessed? We could draw a knee. We could probably draw a kneel. But how are you going to draw a blessed? Right? Everybody kind of have a different idea of how that's going to be used. So now, again, I want you to keep in mind for a second. Verse 21, God created. Verse 22, God blessed. Okay, so the word barach, if we break it down, Hebrew is an interesting language because it's called a picture language, right? And each letter sometimes in the word makes up almost a mini sentence in each word. And barach is no exception. Barach is an amazing word. This word for blessed, I just want to show it to you here in a second, for a second, um, here in the Old Testament. There's four letters. The first letter is the word bet. Here's the Hebrew word bet. So there you go. There's a Hebrew word bet. Bet. Um, the, this letter has changed uh, several times, but in its original form, uh, it means tent. It still means tent. But in its original form, it actually kind of looks like you're looking at a tent from above. Because it's, it's about God's presence in that tent. It means, it means the action inside of something, and it, and it also means unity. So this, this barak, this word for blessed, it starts out with the word unity. Okay, so it starts, the second letter is the letter resh. The letter resh means head, or, or to rule over something. It's kind of like a snake head there, to rule over something, or the beginning of something. 
So we have tent, and we have rule over or the beginning of something. Then it's followed by the letter vav. The letter vav means a tent stake, something that supports, something that can offer something, something that can enable something, a tent stake, something that, that supports. The letter kaf here at the end, and again, they've changed forms many times. The original letter kaf looks more like a hand, and that's what it represents. It's a hand. And when we think about a hand in this form, it's something that, that bends to something, something that, that contours to whatever it's picking up, whether I'm picking up a pen or a guitar pick or a, a cup. Your hand conforms to that. So it's about conforming. So blessed, now listen to think about it real quick here. Blessed means the tent, that unity inside of something. And the head is driving the beginning of something. It means a tent stake that supports something else. And then something else that conforms to it. That's the word blessed. So part of it is God and part of it is us. Now again, remember the the order of events in verses 21 and 22. God created and then he blessed. I hope I've said that enough times. At least maybe you've written that much down. God created and then he blessed. Right? He created us and then he enabled us. I want to go back to verse 21 for a second because I want to show you this. It says, God created, right? Can we highlight that? God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves. Moves on the water, swarm of their kind. Again, so God created. The Hebrew root word for this is bara. It's the first part of barak. I'm going to say it again. I hope I'm not going too fast. It's the word created is the root word for blessed. So created and blessed are almost the same word. There's an ending, a different ending, that talks about us, that talks about God supporting us and and us conforming to him when we talk about blessed. So God first created, and then he blessed. I'm not, am I seeing any nods here? Are you guys with me so far? Are you like, dude, just keep going, right? Right? Okay, so created and blessed are, are identical words. They have the same root word. They have the same root. Bara is, is bet. It starts with bet. It's the, it's the tent, right? And resh, to rule over the beginning of something, is created. And then, like I said, vav, the part of blessed, is vav, saying that God is equipping us. And the last part of blessed is us conforming or yielding to who he is and what he does. When we think of blessed, we think of bring it here. When God thinks about blessed, he says, bring it to me. The American dream says everything is about me, but the gospel says everything is about God. That's the difference. That's where we're making our mistake here by saying, well, God blessed me. Well, when's the last time you blessed God? When's the last time you brought it to God? When's the last time you tried to make a difference in God's kingdom? I say we're privileged. You know, all that list of all those things we have, what are you doing with it? Just complaining that you don't have more or that it's costing you more? Or are we actually trying to make a difference in the world with it? We, I can't, I'm going to emphasize this again in a couple weeks here, but the, the privileged in this world need to make a difference in this world. We need to take it out someplace else. And God says, I am doing this for you so that you can make a difference someplace else. And if you're taking notes, and I pray that you are right now, I'm going to tell you something that I want you to take home with you. I want to talk about God's will. I want to talk about God's purpose for his blessings, for his support, for his equipping. That's what blessings is. It's support. It's equipping. It's saying, go out now and do something. Because, again, we think that blessing is all about us. We brag about it. Oh, God has blessed me so much. That's not what the Bible says about it, ever. 
Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. No, not the blessed are the, the entitled and the, and the people who brag about it. Look at what he says to Abraham. We, we, a couple months ago, we had a huge series on, on Father Abraham. right? Abraham, who was retired and happy in his home, and God woke him up and said, get out of there and go someplace else and make a difference in this world. Look at Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from your land. Get up from everything you know. Pull up those tent stakes. From your father's house to a land I will show you. I love this because he doesn't even tell him where he's going. He says, get going and when you get there, I'll tell you when you're there. And then he says this, his promise. I will make you a great nation. I will what? I will bless you. I will make your name great. So what? So that you will be a blessing. Condense that down. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. I'm going to make a difference in your life so that you can make a difference in other people's lives. And we sit and we count our bank account, or we look at the food in the fridge, whatever it is that we say that's our blessing, God says, yeah, you know what, it's not about you. And we say, maybe we're not reading that verse right, because that's not what I think it should say. I think it should say something about me in here. And God says, I think that verse should say something about God in here. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. When you read bless from now on, I want you to see the word equip. I want you to see the word empower. I want you to see the words making a difference. I'm going to make a difference, God says. I'm going to make a difference in your life so that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. And then he tells us how to do that. He says, you are blessed to be a blessing. God's purpose for you are these. And I could have picked literally a hundred verses. I picked some of my favorite ones. First Peter 2, excuse me, 1 Peter 2.12. Be careful how you behave among your unsaved neighbors. We could turn that around and say, act right around your neighbors. And then he does say that in Matthew 5.16. Matthew 5.16, by the way, comes right after Matthew 5.3 through 9, all the Beatitudes. This is what he says after and during the Beatitudes. Let your light shine before men, before people, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That word glorify means praise. It means celebrate. It means to honor. Live your life in a way that God shines through you and other people see it in you. John 15, My Father is glorified, Jesus says, by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. How? By conforming our lives to His. Conforming our lives to His will, His purpose. And be a blessing, as we would say it, to God. I'm going to leave you with Proverbs 11.25. If you're taking notes at home, take that one home with you. 
Would you please stand with me?